of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Kalianastasi. What a triumphant, joyful scene. There our Lord is riding in glory into Jerusalem. And the people said most in the gospel this morning from the gospel of Matthew, most of the people were laying their clothes in the road. So the road was covered with people's clothing. People were cutting down palm fronds, branches from trees to lay in the road because it's a dirt road. And so to make a whole new road for this great king entering into the city. And all the children and all the people are shouting out, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And his disciples are saying the same thing, singing hymns, offering their praise, and all creation is in joy. To the point that when the Pharisees said to Christ, tell them not to say that, Christ said in the Gospel of Luke, I tell you the stones would cry out. All of creation is in joy on this great and glorious day. And this was the culmination because he was in Galilee and he was traveling with many, many people going down towards Jerusalem, going through Jericho, if we remember the story of Zacchaeus and of the blind man outside the gates of Jericho. And then continuing on to Bethany to see his beloved friend Lazarus and to raise him from the dead. And this brought even more people, all of these throngs of people following Christ everywhere that he goes until he comes to the great and holy city. Yet this is also just a brief time of joy in Christ's journey to Golgotha. He knows where he's headed even if the people are cheering all around him. He knows that he has one goal. Just days later, many of the same people, instead of yelling, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, instead say, crucify him, crucify him. It's such a tragic turn of events, something that in the hymns of Holy Week we hear many times about Christ saying in the words of the hymns, what did I do to you, O people? I raised your dead, I gave sight to your blind, I fed the hungry. What have I done for this? And this is the tragedy that we enter into of Holy Week, this most solemn time. And nowhere is this more tragic than in that disciple Judas, who we hear in the gospel today. He traveled with all of Christ, on all of Christ's ministries. Everywhere that he went, Judas went with him, saw the miracles after miracles after miracles, was taught the words of our Lord, many more words than we have in the Gospels. Imagine how much you hear from a teacher, a divine teacher, in three years, how many words of wisdom and guidance. And yet we see in the Gospel today that his, his heart had turned toward greed. And so in the Gospel today, instead of seeing this as a great sign of a, a woman's affection for Christ to anoint him, he sees it as an opportunity for money that he could have made, and he didn't. Yet despite all this, all, despite everything that he saw from Christ, even when he heard the words from Christ, how difficult it is for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. It is more difficult than for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. He heard those words. And so many said, warning him, 
still he became blinded by the love of money. On the Orthros for Holy Thursday, which is chanted on uh, Holy Wednesday, we have this well-known hymn, while the glorious disciples were being illumined at the washing of the feet during the supper, then too did Judas the ungodly one succumb to darkness, being sick with avarice. And he delivered you, the righteous judge, to lawless judges. Look here, O lover of money, and see the one who for money's sake hanged himself. O my soul, flee from the greed that made him dare commit such a deed against the teacher. O Lord, benevolent to all, glory to you. And again, on the, uh, the bridegroom service of Tuesday evening, we know the hymn of Cassiani. And that hymn is the story of the woman who came and anointed Jesus' feet. All through that service, it's a contrast between her and Judas. And in one of those hymns, it says, In love with the love of money, scheming Judas the fool, deceptively premeditated his betrayal of you, O Lord. Thus intoxicated, he runs to the Jews. And in another one of the hymns of Holy Tuesday evening, Today Judas has put the noose of money around his own neck. The love of money, avarice, kind of an old word we don't use too much. Greed, maybe. Philargiria is the Greek from argiron, which means silver or a silver coin. You know your uh, periodic table of elements and silver is AG. That's because the Latin comes from the Greek, argiron, which means silver. And so one who loves silver, loves coins, is philargiros. The opposite, you might say, of that is the anargiri, the holy unmercenaries. That same word is in there. The unmercenaries are those who would do things without pay. They weren't concerned about being paid. Every year, I hear these hymns about Judas with these words about avarice, about greed, and love of money. And then I hear the corresponding gospel passages about Judas and how he's going away. And I think, no, don't do it. You're a disciple. Don't do this. How foolish. And then we look at the paltry sum of money. We say, how could he do this? How could he be so blinded by avarice to do this? His temptation seems very foreign to me. When I hear words like avarice or greed or love of money, these passions just don't relate to me, and I'm sure for many of you they don't. In fact, earlier this week, as I was pondering the homily, I had a realization. Now, before I share the realization, I want to explain. Sin is not very creative. I hear a lot of confessions, and I hear the same things in the confessions. They're just shaded differently, but sin is not created. You're all struggling with varying degrees, of the same things. So don't be ashamed. You have anger, you have impatience, you have fear, you have lust, you have anxiety, you have unforgiveness, you have judgment. These are the things I hear again and again in confession. And sometimes people become self-conscious about themselves saying it again and again. So they say, yes, it's the same things again. It's true. Sin is not very creative. But we're still enslaved to it, and so this is why we go to confession. It's very mundane and repetitive, but you know what I realized? I never or virtually never have ever heard anyone confess avarice or greed. 
I've never heard it. And I'm not different because I've never confessed it. We, we would probably agree that it's rampant in our society, wouldn't we? We loathe others. We loathe them, but truthfully, it's also driven by our envy, our idolization. We see avarice everywhere in our society, but none of us confess it. How many of us could think these words to ourselves? Yeah, I struggle with greed and avarice. So what's going on? Greed and avarice is something that other people have. I certainly don't think of myself in that way. The realization I had about confessions is something deeper. When you're a fish in the ocean, you don't think about the water. You don't even notice it. That's what's going on with this. We're all not confessing it because we all see it, if anything else, as someone else's problem. But we're in a society that I might say to you is the most riddled with greed and avarice in the history of humanity. And if you don't believe me on that, just think about the range of society that has the ability to pursue greed and avarice compared with history. In history, you had poor people, you had wealthy people, and those wealthy people were pretty much the only people that could pursue greed and avarice. Now we've opened the gates up. The floodgates are open. Everyone can pursue this. But we're blinded to it. And I speak for myself. It was quite a realization to realize, wait, there's something that I have, to my memory, never heard anyone confess. And yet it's this thing that is everywhere in our society. We need to think about this. We need to ponder this. If we pause and look around, we can see the pursuit of success and money everywhere. There's a frenzied energy in our society. It is nonstop in this direction. I had a realization about uh, a couple decades ago now that the success of a company, like you know, a company that's good to invest in, you want to buy their stocks, you know what the mark of their success is? Increased profits, right? Now ponder that for a second. I didn't say profits. <coughs> I said increased profits, increasing profits. We as a society consider it successful simply that a company makes money. We only want to invest, invest in a company that is continuously increasing its profits. Is that sustainable? Is it? Think about that. And this is a microcosm for ourselves as well. Increase, increase, more, more. It's in the advertisements out there. It's the desire for more. And we see that, but how much do we recognize its work in our own heart, in our own soul? So another thing to ponder, how much of your time do you spend in concerns relating to money? How much of our time do we spend in that? I can say for myself, it's many an hour. And somehow it's, it, it all has the, the trappings of things that are needed and essential. And I don't want to demean those at all. Like we need to budget. We need to save money. 
We need to do these things, right? But all of that can become a veil over this bigger thing that is a spiritual passion. Because truly, we don't really know as a society what is a necessity. We don't really know what a need is. St. Paul said to Timothy, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, from which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So instead of the word sorrows here, maybe I could use the word to apply to myself, anxieties, worries, concerns. How much of this is because of necessity? It's really hard for us to, to discern this. I'm not saying this, that all of you are a bunch of greedy money grabbers, and myself as well, but that it's there that we can begin to recognize it's there. Because really, what is a necessity? What's a necessity? Well, the, the gospel likes to work in threes. What's a necessity in the gospels? Food, shelter, clothing. Food, shelter, clothing. Now food, you can only eat so much. Maybe you spend too much in food. That might be a thing, but you can only eat spend so much, you can only eat so much food. Shelter, what is sufficient shelter? What is sufficient shelter? How many of us feel cramped and uncomfortable in our houses, not comfortable with the neighborhood, not comfortable that the house is too old, not comfortable that this and that and that and that and that? And all the other things, if we, all the other things in our life that are things that are not even within that list of three. So again, I'm not saying this to berate all of us, but to say, let's start looking. Let's start looking inside of ourselves more deeply. St. <clears throat> Paul again says to St. Timothy, now godliness and contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. He doesn't even mention shelter. <laughs> food and clothing, we shall be content, because St. Paul pretty much never had his own shelter. I don't know about you, but I think about contentment as something I'm pursuing, something I'm trying to get to a place of contentment. I have enough savings, I have enough this, we're not scrambling for that. It's a pursuit, and that's completely wrong. Contentment is what is. Contentment is not what we pursue. Contentment is what is. Right now, at this moment, each and every one of us all can be content right now. It's not easy by any means, but we shouldn't think of it as something that we're trying to get to. It's something that right now, at whatever stage of life we're at, at whatever we have, we can pursue contentment by by changing it in our hearts, not by changing our circumstances around us. St. Paul said once again, we remember this line, no soldier engaged in warfare gets entangled in civilian pursuits. So much of our life is civilian pursuits. 
I mean, with this simple equation of how much time I spend thinking about financial concerns and how much time I spend in prayer. I think it's very lopsided for us. So that shows where our heart is. And as our Lord says, where your heart is, there your treasure is also. Finally, St. Paul, he says, and this was from the epistle yesterday to the Hebrews, keep your life free from love of money and be content, again that word, with what you have. For he has said, I will never fail you nor forsake you. Hence we can say confidently, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? As we listen to the hymns of Holy Week, as we approach Holy Week, let's not let Judas be the, the punching bag, the, the one that we kick. Let's see ourselves in Judas. Because what he did was insanity. But fundamentally what he did was what he wanted he couldn't get, and so he pursued it anyway. Isn't that the story of my life and your life? What I want, I keep on pursuing, and I keep on pursuing. And that's the opposite of contentment. And yes, in Judas's life, it leads to a completely insane decision, a foolish decision. But in my life, I can speak for myself how often these worries and anxieties have led me to foolish decisions, things that I think I need or that I want, because I saw somewhere that it was on TV or someone else had it, and I said, that's something I need. I need to have that. So as we approach Holy Week, let's take these hymns to heart. Now, next time you come to confession, you don't need to say, greed and avarice, Father. <laughs> but look into your own heart for the ways in which that is working. Because I tell you, it's there. It's the water we swim in. It's the air we breathe. It's everything around us. And it is so hard to swim against that, against everything that tells us you need more you need this, this is a need, that's a need, and everything else is a need. May God give us wisdom. May we keep Judas as that very clear example in front of us of where we can go if we're not careful. Amen.